0: I might get Oscar
1: weekly It's M-M-O-Weekly Welcome,
0: welcome, welcome to the show that comes to you once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Holly weird week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW, uh, trying to get you ready for your New Year's and, I guess, a new award season because we're kind of changing the face of MMO Weekly this week. We're inserting some Oscar stuff, which isn't usually the norm, but it is award season, so we have to find the spots where we can. We're going to do some award
1: season stuff today. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. It's going to be non-stop award season stuff coming from us because there is no choice. There's no other option. Look at what's coming down the pike. we got our Golden Globes reaction show coming after the Golden Globes on Sunday night. Next week, Michael, we have the BAFTA noms, and then we have all the Guild noms, the PGA, the DGA, the WGA. We're probably going to have a reaction show after all of those come out. Then we have the Oscar nomination prediction show.
0: Which was never going to surpass what we did last year, by the way. Getting those eight right. It was kind of easy. A lot of people predicted them, but we felt good about it. And this year, we're just scared to death, and we're cowards, and we don't know what's going on. And so does the Academy, by the way. We're going to talk about that later because of the
1: schedule change. I loved our Golden Globes episode. I thought it was really good movie talk. Yeah, I got got my movie talk fix. I actually listened to it twice myself.
0: I got so inspired to place thousands of dollars worth of
1: wagers. I, uh... (laughs) I thought about saving some money one day. But no, I I listened to that episode a couple of times because I thought it was a real good back and forth, but I hate every one of my picks. Yeah, I feel that way about a couple of mine as well. I'm not very happy with what we did. Maybe Everyone. we released that too no, early. No, every, every pick. one of my picks. And the I winner hate. is Beyonce again. Yeah, Beyonce, Todd Phillips will walk away with this. Like on Twitter today, someone was like, Todd Phillips is going to take this best director, right? And I did like 17... drafts of the true tweet where I was like, no, he's not going to win, you idiot. That was version one. (laughs) Version two was like, no, he's not going to win because these other four are ahead of him. No, he's not going to win. Version three, by the end I was like, nobody knows anything. Todd Phillips is
0: probably going to (laughs) win. He
1: might win. The Golden Globes are... FUBAR. Yeah, it's
0: HFPA for you, but go back and do (laughs) listen to our Golden Globes, Globes, easy for me to say, prediction show. That's out. Like Mike said, we have a lot of Oscar race stuff to cover, so uh, the future of MMOW, as far as the immediate future, we don't know exactly what we're going to do. If we keep it around, it's going to be more Oscar-infused, because, again, we just have a lot of reporting and and work to do on the Oscar season, so if MMOW sticks around, it's going to have more of an Oscars tint. If it doesn't stick around, well, then you know why. It's going to be replaced probably with multiple Oscar race checkpoints per week because it's just getting to that time of year. Uh, We will always have our ear to the ground as far as blockbusters and bigger news goes. That's usually what MMO Weekly does cover for you here. It's not your Oscar-centric and specific award show, uh, news and information show, I should say. That is Oscar Race Checkpoint. We do that every week as well, so we do have two news shows. Uh, They're just going to be filled with Oscar stuff, and uh, the Oscar stuff we're filling MMO Weekly with today, this episode, is the review of Bombshell, which we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, We're not giving it the full OSP treatment breakdown. This is more Going to be kind of a what we're watching type style review. And this is what we're going to talk about right now, Michael. So, Bombshell is out the Jay Roach movie. Uh, what do we think about it? It's what we're <laughs> watching. Uh, uh,
1: uh, uh, Let's just do that for uh, the next three hours. <laughs> all right. Look, uh, Jay Roach has done a good job with HBO political films, recount, game change. I even like the Brian Cranston all the way, the one about LBJ yep. there. To me, Bombshell's like of a similar quality. Uh, Where do you see this film? Like, just in terms of tears, is this kind of middling for you? Is it right around that point? It's such a tough question to ask me because I this is the most divided I've been on a contender all year
0: because I left the theater thinking, oh, that's a that's a pretty good movie. And then when I sat down and looked at my notes and was thinking about stuff about the movie I was like, I, I just kept having more and more issues with the way things were presented and the way things were framed and then I started arguing with myself about well, maybe it's a reflection of reality and the reality is that bad because we know how unscrupulous the people at top on Fox News have been lately and blah 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 so I am so torn. I don't have
1: a verified landing spot on this. It's like I, I'm not torn on the messaging. Like, I, of course, yeah. I think these are horrible crimes of abuse and harassment that they require our attention. Jay Roach talked about it in the interviews. He said a movie like this, he wanted the audience to be shocked by the extent of these problems, and I, I was shocked. Yeah, sure. I, I was like, ugh. Just, I mean, it's a movie that really makes you feel gross in that that sort of way. But something isn't right in terms of just pure film criticism here. I, I'm not going to bury the lead, but I, I do think a female film director would have handled this better. I don't disagree, or at least someone in the writer's room. They
0: may have had someone in the writer's room. She just didn't get her name in the credits. I don't know. But I, I, I there's pieces of this. And, and sexuality is a big part of this story, and it's a big part of the scandal as well. But there's pieces that are, like, over-sexualized, it feels like. And it just feels out of place, there's right?
1: There's too much time with that. There's too much time with the, like... Stuff. I mean, I don't want to see bombshells for two hours Mm. necessarily, and and I don't want it to feel like male gazy for two hours. I understand that they probably got to have a little here and a little there to help you understand the climate and to to help you understand the objectification of what's going on. You got to get a little Michael Bay cinematography in there, I guess, but I don't think... Was it really like that? Is the question. Was it? Yeah. And
0: that's what you're describing right now is what I mean by saying I go back and forth so much. Because on the one hand, is it true to life that every young woman in a position of power at Fox News was looking out for their own career best interests over their own ethical agendas to a person? Right. Well, it was every single person like that. And my instinct is to obviously say no, artistic liberties were given. And then the other half of that is man, I've seen documentaries on Roger Ailes. They have not been kind to this man. I know for a fact he is—he was a paranoid person. He was this very ruthless businessman. He was an objectifier. So maybe by 2016, when this thing did boil over, maybe it became survival of the fittest or survival of the grossest at that point, and he weeded out anyone that would choose ethics over their career path, and maybe it was really like that. So I keep have this oscillation. I don't know where to land on it because I share your criticism. Yes, it seems very overly done, but i wasn't that
1: maybe it was this horrible hellscape for any kind of woman trying to put their ethics first maybe it was but if that's the case though then hustlers that environment felt much less slimy than i this agree right? yeah, yeah i mean this envi- environment and the the camera angles and and what we're focusing on i just felt like it was a michael bay thing whereas Lorene scafaria was not that way at all and that was hustlers that yeah. was about a strip club these girls were half naked the whole movie but it goes back up and
0: down the card for me like that with every step of the way with this movie too because the relationship between Ailes and the Murdoch kids is straight cartoonish. Right. it's melodramatic if you if this was your place you would own it roger and to me again it's one of those instances where, like that's obviously just being biased against roger ailes there's no way any real business relationship is like that and right. then the other side of me is like well maybe because they seem to be liberal leaning people they did deal with this cartoonish character in ailes who was screaming and yelling about 9-11 on the newsroom
1: floor and driving up thinking obama was trying to kill him et cetera. Et cetera. you could have Painted pictures of a ton of anti-heroes in this movie, right? You could have paint. You could have rounded these characters, yeah. and I don't think these characters are, are very well rounded at all. I think I agree. You know, the three women at center of this, they don't have any flaws. Uh, any is a strong word. You know, the Charlize Theron we were talking before. You know, the Megan Kelly character has a few, but it's that typical flaw that we're. I mean, look, we're afraid to give her a flaw because she's a, a quote-unquote victim in the story. Go yeah,
0: on. and I think that's important to to underscore too. We're not saying we don't believe that the systemic issue wasn't there and the harassment didn't happen. We're just saying that we don't that this seems to be people a more people. biased
1: hit piece. Yes, and these characters are being painted with one brush. Jennifer Kent did the movie The Nightingale this year. That's about sexual violence. That's about someone who is wholly uh, innocent. When that crime is enacted upon her, correct? Ageling Franciosi's character is thoroughly well-rounded. Yeah. Like she's got all these things about her character where, and, and dealing with other people in, in the story, where you just see like, well, that's probably wrong what she's doing here, but that's she's a full, fully realized person in in that movie and the way she's. She's a pain in the ass to travel with, let's just say. But there's a million little things. There's a couple of big it, things that she's got to overcome. It challenges you ethically. And this is actually why I had more of a problem
0: with this movie than I did with Vice of last year. Because Vice, at the end of it, Vice's purpose, at least, was to challenge people that disagreed with Cheney anyway. Right. And, it, and Christian Bale speaks right to the camera of that and says, what would it What would it take for you to react this way? What would you have me do otherwise? This movie starts off by saying Roger Ailes is Donald Trump 2.0 which is a poor framing because you're not going to invite anyone else from the other side of the aisle to no. investigate these claims with you anyway. And then it's it doesn't really challenge you at all. It's just using these overly cartoonish type bad guys that do these horrid crimes. And the crimes are horrid. Yeah. And I think you're going to be served more if you do try to invite people from both sides of the aisle to say... Why don't we look at this together, look at these horrible events playing out in real time, instead of starting off the movie saying, your God is a false God and he's crazy. And why is he a false God? Because he's crazy, because he looks up to your other guy. I, you're just ostracizing half the audience in that way. Immediately ostracizing
1: yeah. them. And you're, you're, you're trying to draw us to the Fox women, who we probably disagree with thoroughly. You and I as liberals, we would disagree with those three women and everything they say on a daily basis. Yeah. Thoroughly. I think a lot of liberals... I would agree with that, I think it's that polarized right now. And yet we get none of that in this
0: movie. I heavily disliked Megyn Kelly when she was on the air with Fox. I I, I did. The stuff she was saying, I I
1: thoroughly disagree with you. You're absolutely right. Well, basically we're given, all right, here are the Fox people we're rooting for, and here are the Fox, Fox people who are the devil incarnate. And instead of giving facets
0: and dynamics to the characters, I feel like they try to encompass too much of the story they didn't really focus on any one legal, they tried to get every legal thread that was going through Fox. Like Bill O'Reilly's story had nothing to do with what this movie was about. Yeah. And they kind of shoehorned it in at the end. And I understand the need and the penchant to want to do that because it is a sex assault case and right. does go along with the Roger Ailes. It's like a parallel story. But I felt like it took away from the opportunities you could have had in rounding these characters. And the only opportunity I felt they really tried to give the Megan Kelly character a dynamic was when Margot Robbie's character is kind of accusing her of, resting on her laurels and not stepping up and protecting the people that are under
1: her and using her power to do so. The good guys infighting, right. so to speak. Right. Yeah, it didn't work. It just didn't work dramatically, I didn't think. I'm with you. I,
0: I, I, I laid it on that. I left the theater feeling the other way. So maybe there are people that are like that and if you think critically about it, it'll unravel or maybe we're completely wrong and it's the opposite but uh, this is I agree with you for what you're saying right now
1: well here's what you're getting you're getting great makeup and hair styling phenomenal makeup and hair production value like the editing I thought was excellent you're getting uh, three performances if not four that are excellent, absolutely excellent. I mean, in terms of a regular movie, in this movie, this seems like an elevated version of those HBO films, even though you get a showcase performance in each one of those, I would say. I put Charlie's in this over Scarlett Johansson from Marriage Story. No. I, mean, I, I, I know you, you're you
0: higher I, with Scarlett as it is. higher,
1: but I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, like, Charlie Theron gives, for me, a top 10 performance on the Yeah. Air. Well, I mean, I'm not close to that. To yeah, that. no, I understand that. But, I,
0: but that's... I mean, that's... I, I think it's worthy of that. That's where I would end up wrecking her
1: at the end of the day. So she nails the impersonation, Charlie. I think that may, those makeup prosthetics, obviously that helps Elizabeth her. Banks has
0: to be... You can't tell me you didn't see Elizabeth Banks in that elevator scene on a big screen. Uh, that's Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth
1: Banks' Banks's voice doesn't go as low. But you're right. You profile... <laughs> like, if this was a Hitchcock silhouette... Right. It would look like Elizabeth Banks... <sighs> Atomic Blonde. But... Mike, I do think there's a few goofy deliveries to Charlize Theron's voice. It's like she gets in that boy. It's like Reno voice, the Megan Kelly voice, and at just the regular boardroom table, she does that voice, and it just sounds so weird. I don't disagree. I also don't know what Megan Kelly's like at a boardroom table
0: because we've never seen that. We've only seen Megan Kelly delivering that voice on the news on but, that
1: network. So that's the whole thing. Like it seems like Charlize studied her on camera. Right. And then tried to, like, she's not going to speak differently. Like, we give our podcast voices sometimes. They used to be sportscaster voices. (laughs) They used to be much worse than what we do now. I think we're slowly but surely weeding that film critic voice out. You know, the really low. We're we're, we're getting away from that. She kind of stays in that same tone most of the movie, except maybe when she's talking to her husband which i didn't like i it just was really strange on rewatch especially
0: it didn't bother me so much no. I, and i also did appreciate the attempt to have megan kelly like there were attempts there to make these characters rounded they just didn't do nearly enough
1: for me and they're they, afraid to yeah Like, mean, how can you criticize a person because that's what they right, think right. it's going to come off as criticism when in point of fact like joe march could be wrong just as much as she is right and then we're going to have a better time at the movies because that sort of dramatic story's going right, to do. Right. What are you
0: doing? I, I, I like the relationship with her husband. I, and I, I was furious at first because I thought Mark Duplass, who plays Charlie's Megan Kelly's husband, was going to be the conscience of her, and that would have infuriated me, yeah. especially with a, from a male point of view with a male director when this is pretty much a story all about the women and the victims. Yeah. But it wasn't he was just the devil's advocate to her every step of the way i came to realize because she was very resistant to coming forward at first and again i'm sure there are is a lot of truth to this story from megan kelly's point of view i'm sure that it is regardless of how the environment of fox news looks in this movie. I'm sure it was a toxic place in as so far as if you did speak up, you probably were made to be silent because that's not the only corporate culture where that happens. Go read the book about ESPN and how that used to happen back in the early 90s all the time. I mean, big companies are like this. They do make it tough for people to come forward. That's why the Me Too movement, I think, is... Not the greatest thing, but it's a good thing.
1: I think if you showed the reality and, and how alluring the power was, how alluring... Like, if, if a female director directed this, wouldn't they focus more on the professional lives that they had and the ambition and, and, and the, you know, what they achieved and what they didn't?
0: I mean, in here... A, an attempt was made to show that, but it, just, it didn't work. It doesn't
1: fit for yeah. me. Like, you, you gotta make the stakes make sense. Like, what they're giving up career-wise. And... I just, I don't feel that way here. I don't feel like the Charlize Theron character had a ton of Oscar reel scenes to get back to her here. I mean, she's got like the the journalist thing going on. She's got some scenes with her family in the boardroom, on camera. I like the... There's some versatility to the performance. But I have Erivo, Nyango, Johansson, Aquafina, Zellweger way ahead of her. I have Ronan way ahead of her. I even like Franciosi, Pugh, De Armas Moss, Buckley higher than her. I mean, she's like my 10. Yeah, she's probably slipping my 7-ish. I haven't really done the rankings
0: mm-hmm. yet. So I don't know that I'd have her, have her nominated. I'd I say that I'm not crazy about ScarJo's performance again. And I, you want to go back and listen to my marriage. But politics. you do you
1: have like, Di- what's uh, from Diane.
0: Mary Kay Place. Mary Kay Place is probably ahead of her. Yeah, I mean, there are other performances. I wasn't blown away. I think you're right. There's not a lot of Oscar real scenes. There's good impersonation there. Yeah, there is. And I do think... I don't want to come off as saying talking all negative about this and saying it wasn't impactful, because it truly is. And there's parts of this story that are extremely, extremely impactful. And when you hear from the actual victims in the voiceovers, uh, there's a part where the, the all the yes. victims of Roger Ailes... I mean, there's stuff that is harrowing and leaves an impression on you. And obviously, Margot Robbie is the audience conduit character. and She's the one that does put her ethics first. There's a lot of good that is in this and there was a reason i left the theater thinking this is a great movie at first
1: i I feel like i came away reading the report on what those assholes did wrong yeah and i think that's important
0: i agree yeah i think that's a fair take in
1: terms of a dramatized story that goes up and down like there's it's never in any doubt like there is there any suspense at the end about what's going to happen
0: yeah and you kept saying it though how like why would you you know it's it's a tough movie to make quite frankly you know isn't it i mean yeah. what how you can't really it's tough you're going to be accused of criticizing the characters if you do try to make them well rounded people do know the ending and you can't really change that because it is a historical fact it's just a tough movie to make especially and ironically, because of the conversation we had this morning with our friend, right. so close to the
1: tragedy just that's being true. uncovered. That's true. The high degree of difficulty is there. Maybe they should have waited longer. Or maybe maybe this message getting out there is just a good thing at the end yeah. of the day. I and mean, that's why my grade on this movie is not that low, even though it doesn't do basic storytelling th- things well. Let's transition to Margot Robbie here for a second. Again, I think it's a, it's a strong performance, but it's like a top ten. It's not a top five. She's just built up the reputation to where we assume she's in a top five. Or, Mike, are these people doing actor things that I'm not recognizing because I'm not an actor? I'm half starting to think that might be it because th- there was so much
0: praise for Margot Robbie coming out of this. And I'm like you. I'm like I was waiting and waiting for the scenes. And now Margot Robbie does show, again, she's the audience conduit, she does show the widest range of emotions. She's got yes. the most depth to play, I think, of any characters here. And she does a fine job. But it's not close to what she did in I, Tanya. I mean, that was no, no, a roller coaster. No. And again, this is the argument made. Well, she was a main character there, she's a supporting character here, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. But yeah, I I was expecting her to propel herself into the supporting actress conversation right now. For me, I don't know that she's I mean, she might be on the outside,
1: but I don't think she's a top two or three. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, how about Nicole Kidman? I, I think she's always excellent. I think she's, you know, like the rock at the beginning of the story. And uh, she's her through line goes throughout. That Sagnum gives her a chance, Mike.
0: It really does. Again, I, I kind of can repeat the same thing I say about Robbie, though. I wasn't...
1: No, you're not blown away. I was... I'm just upset because I wanted more from this. There's got to be nuances here that we're missing perhaps. There's got to be actory things that we're not getting and where a pro's pro might look at it and say oh wow, look at what you look at the technique there, right? you know and give her points uh, on that. I do think the Academy uh, likes her. They've nominated her four times previously. I just wish this was a year where it wasn't all the movie stars from the 1990s and early 2000s being nominated, like, I mean, we got Paul Walter Hauser, Taylor Russell, and Shia LaBeouf, and Florence Pugh, I just think they're so much better than some of these other performances that are getting noms at the end of the day, and it's it's sad to me, I mean, yeah, they're, they're maybe this is the more polished performance, you know, this is the bring your lunch pail, the blue collar performance, I it, don't know. It could be, but you bring up Richard Jewell, and uh, Kathy Bates, to me, is
0: doing so much more than... Uh, Margot, I could see, the Nicole Kidman, I think Kathy Bates is better
1: i think kathy bates is better too i do yeah. i know maybe I and
0: maybe you're right maybe it's us missing something and we're just in the dark here and pissing into the wind as it blows back in our face but if i have to bet
1: right now kathy bates or kidman i'm betting kidman absolutely absolutely i don't see how you can not right now we're in the tea leaves so all three of them probably get in to, to wrap up our oscar lines before we move on here and makeup and hairstyling is in it's kind of falling off on best picture i don't see any other obvious nominations are we looking at four here and that's what we're getting, or we're probably over-under at 3.5. So
0: you think both uh, supportings are a
1: lock for noms right now? I don't think they're a lock, but I think you've you got to look at the landscape and say they're pro- there are probables.
0: I think you, you would say Robbie's probably more probable than Kidman, though?
1: What I hope happens is Kidman gets bounced and Florence Pugh gets in yeah, for that's the year would, she's had yeah. and for late-breaking momentum from Little Women. Yeah, that's what I would
0: hope. But I think three and a half is a good number.
1: Yeah, I think if you're betting the over/under, it's.
0: Uh, I did like the set design. I thought it was great. Yes. I, I did, as much as we're making fun of the score at the beginning of this, I thought the score was used extremely it's just a well. Fun score. To yeah. Act. It was a fun score. To re-enact. <laughs> I thought it was used very <laughs> impactfully throughout, but I don't think it's going to rise to the level of either of those. So yeah, I think three and a half is probably a safe, uh, safe number there. It didn't make great money though either.
1: It's true too. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, wasn't we'll a big burner. We'll talk about earner. that in a few in a little bit with the box office update. But we did want to, you know, put a bow on on two other watches before we get out of this segment. I watched The Mandalorian. I finished it. Yeah, you
0: were hoping to put the uh, to end this last week. It didn't come out in time for MMOW. So now you get the finishing touches on it. Tell me about the Church of Baby Yoda that you are now an apostle to.
1: I am an apostle <laughs> to it. I would die for that creature. Taika Watiti directed the final episode. It it was it had some Taika moments, mm-hmm. but I think he needs to write and direct it. I see. Like I don't think he wrote it, but it, it was it was very strong. Uh, I give them a lot of credit because they have stakes to this Star Wars, and there's characters that may not, may not make it, and there's you know there's characters that actually face some you know life and death situations, mm. and they don't immediately get retconned to being alive afterwards if that happens. So. Okay, people die is what I'm trying to say. And aliens <laughs> die. And it's and I'm I'm happy for that. It's you need stakes in a story like this. And in a shoot 'em up story like this, you need that. There's also some unforgivable things involving baby Yoda that are that are just scary and horrified me. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And again, oh, no. I think it's edgy and I think Favreau and Deborah Chow, who's going to direct the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi show, they wrote some ambitious stuff. And you, you have all of that kind of the book in the season. In the middle, let's just say, there's like, what's this week's adventure story? Mm. I mean, it's it's kind of the four middle episodes are adventure stories. And I don't know if it was one and three or one and two, but definitely seven and eight. That's kind of the main storyline, which I'm, I'm fine with. Like, give me the procedural, just the Star Wars procedural. I'm in for that put a cute baby Yoda in there and a you know <laughs> bounty hunter who's constantly building up his uh his armor yeah and it's like half video game half you know, adorable Muppet show. It's <laughs> it's really fun. It's really cool. Let me ask you some hypotheticals about this. One, are you going to buy a Baby Yoda action figure when it comes out? I tried to buy it yesterday. I tried <laughs> to buy the Funko co- because I was thinking of getting a couple Funkos and yeah. some gift certificates because yeah. we're gonna get on video at some point and like if we put four Funkos, yeah, that'd be the cute. The fucking Jules Funko co- is a hundred and fifteen dollars. Holy shit! I was I wanted to get the Pulp Fiction Jules one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but uh, the Baby Yoda one doesn't come out till May. All right, so we're gonna have to be on the lookout for that. Um, I can pre-order it. Question number two:
0: You watched a decent amount of TV this year. Is this one of your top shows? Is it the top show? Or would you compare
1: it to like something like Watchmen? I think it was a, it was an appointment viewing, which was fun. As soon as it was released, I wanted to watch it. That was unique. Uh, like Game of Thrones, uh, I definitely had some issues with a couple episodes. A couple episodes are not good. Not rising
0: it's... to the level of Succession, you would say. You glowed about Succession all succession,
1: year long. Succession, Marvelous Mrs. May- Maisel, like those are high level. Gotcha. Shows. This okay. is not that. This is a fun action show.
0: On the heels of the Mandalorian season one, if Disney comes out tomorrow, next week, and yeah. says our next chapter in the Star Wars canonical saga, we're going to go episode ten. We're going to give a Boba Fett trilogy. Are you satiated with the Boba Fett, with the Bounty Hunter storylines from The Mandalorian? Is there more that you want to explore with this world? Do you care about Boba Fett after watching this anymore? Well, number one, I don't want a Boba Fett trilogy. Okay.
1: Like, I don't want that story because it's already, like, filled in with weirdness. Okay. With uh, the George Lucas stuff and the prequels. I didn't like that. I know some people did. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I ask. I mean, just Jango taking Fett, all in. Yeah. Eh, I, didn't. I wasn't a fan of Django Fett and all the clone babies.
0: So are you... You're you're okay now with bounty hunters.
1: Well, I love Star Wars bounty hunters, and I, like this is where I want it. Though I'd rather a serial, I'd rather a new adventure every week. I love space opera, from Firefly to you know reading. I like I will read novel after novel of space opera just on a ship couple of friends metaphor for life let's go <laughs> metaphor for getting a life metaphor for arrested development whatever it's a metaphor for it works I love it I'll spend a ton of time there so yeah if you're going to give me a trilogy on and on the big screen but I don't know it's got to be very episodic I, I like that it's episodic here
0: it, it sounds like you're, you're had your fill and you're okay with Bounty Hunter staying uh, with Mandalorian basically yeah. which again <laughs> brings me back to our conversation we had in our Star Wars reviewer at least last mmo weekly where the hell does the franchise go because that's another character they can't bring back to tie episode 10 or episode zero wherever they go next back to the franchise well
1: the obvious answer is they can have baby yoda become a character down the line you can you could spin a few characters off. what's he gonna grow into Yoda. Yeah, <laughs> they did that! <laughs> well, they obviously want to do shit they've done before. I mean, that's the whole idea. <laughs> or that he just this... grows into Han Solo? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody sees it coming? Watch the Bill Burr episode of this at some point. People were raving just about it. To, yeah, if you're going to watch one episode, watch the Bill Burr. I forget if it's six or seven, whatever, but... Uh, check that one out all you, right you would li- like that one all right so you watched one more thing too you were, you were buzzing about yeah I, I
0: stuck another one in on you so I watched you know, on your recommendation I watched The Peanut Butter Falcon oh good uh, why does that scene work and I had no issue with it
1: at that, the end yeah the oh, crazy good. scene at the end why does that work because it's wrestling and you dream of having re- wrestling <laughs> in every finale of your movies and you got it here I sure did <laughs> But it's definitely one of those, uh, like, the end of 25th hour things where you're like, wait a minute. Right. It's like, this does not fit tonally, sequentially.
0: It doesn't fit the movie at all. But I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I adored it. You're absolutely right. It's it's so charming. And if Shia LaBeouf, I haven't seen Honey Boy yet, but if if Honey Boy is a, a bigger platform Honey for Boy him is than a this
1: serious drama, yeah, like it is heavy, heavy, heavy. You'll watch it once. I, I haven't tried to see it again, although though I'm interested. I'll probably rent it at some point.
0: Cannot recommend the Peanut Butter Falcon enough. You already have given the review of that. Everybody, Good. I'm very late to the party on that, so I just want to give it mention. Awesome. Uh, I watched The Good Place. I caught up on it. I don't think I saw the series finale yet, though. I think I I'm missing really? one
1: episode. Episode, but I watched everything else. So I am going to watch another comedy, thirty-minute comedy coming up. Would you recommend that this is a perfect binge watch? Like, watch four episodes every other night. Oh, night yeah, day? you
0: could, you could easily get through this quick.
1: Because I'm nearly done with my friend's rewatch. Yeah, like it's I, I haven't been publicizing it. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not proud of myself. But like when I need your shit on in the background. Well, didn't they
0: take it off? Wait, didn't
1: Friends go off Netflix? Oh,
0: did it? I think Before so. Before I finished I twenty twenty, they I said they were checked. dropping. Yeah, oh, I it's been a couple days. Easily. Yeah, I think it's days. off. Oh damn! <laughs> well, now you gotta now you're being forced to. Say I something gotta new. subscribe to
1: <laughs> who, who's got Friends now? Who paid a half a trillion dollars for? It? I think it's gonna go to uh, the Peacock, right? The 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 NBC streaming. Oh my god, I guess I got to get NBC <laughs> streaming. How do I how do I stop? It's season 9 of Friends, Mike. You want me to tell you what happens? I remember what happened. <laughs> I, I got to you
0: know. follow through. But yes, to answer your All question, right. I think the good place would be I, I feel like Something about Michael Schur, man. Something he does. He's a wizard. He's got it figured out where he makes perfect streamable and bingeable programs. He
1: doesn't have negative comedy. It's not like a mean comedy. It's it's usually that's true. very positive, very enthusiastic. has got a lot of heart at its Leslie core. Leslie Nope has a lot of heart in yeah. Parks and Rec. All of the characters, you're, you're not laughing at them as you're laughing with them or for them or because of them. I right. mean, that's the reason, right? Yeah,
0: no, I think that's a really good call on your part, and this is no different. It's it's certainly a unique premise, and they do very well with it. It's out of the box. it's it's zany, and there's really no rules because it's, heaven. it's, it's heaven. you know okay. I mean, <laughs> I think I know that <laughs> anything much. goes.
1: It's, it's you could uh, have magic heaven <laughs> the, you're not stuck in a scranton pennsylvania office you and know they can't I mean? swear and they come up with creative ways not to swear you
0: have the basics down of what the show is yeah
1: right, i got it so yeah uh, maybe i'll i'll dabble yeah and
0: I'll i think i really do think you'll like it, it anybody really if you awesome. like anything if you're a fan of the office parks and rec
1: obviously it, it's great i highly Excellent. recommend the good place so that's what we're watching. That was a big segment but, yeah. uh, filled with some major reviews there. We got some audience interaction right now, Mike. Six Degrees of MMO, John Cho to Carrie Elways. Yeah, this might be our last
0: one for a while. We don't exactly know what the future holds at, at this point for Six Degrees of MMO until after the Oscars. So bear with us. But to go out, you guys are bringing us out on a bang. John Cho to Carrie Elways, like Michael said. So, Mike Ken Murray was first.
1: At Murray Maker, John Cho he says, is in Star Trek with Winona Ryder, Spock's mom... (laughs) Who's in Stranger Things with Carrie Elway's?
0: I this was another week where as soon as the first entries started coming, out, I was like, God damn it! <laughs> People are onto this very quickly. It's not a challenge. Very
1: quickly, Spock's mom <laughs> comes back to her as you tweet. Yeah, that's it. right.
0: Jay Skipworth at Jay Skipworth. The new The Grudge featuring John Cho was produced by Blumhouse, which also produced the most recent Black Christmas remake featuring Carrie Elway's. I wonder if that's a spoiler. I don't know he was in that, but okay. Uh, both he also says are in remakes of horror films. Cho and Grudge. Elway's and Black Christmas. Also both have been featured in the DCAU. Elway's in Flashpoint and Cho in Static
1: Shock. He is in the trailer for Black Christmas. I remember. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. Now that you mention it, I remember it as well. Good. And, yeah, they're both in remakes and uh, they both are Blumhouse dudes. (laughs) They dabble in the DC animated universe. They go to Blumhouse. They go all over the place. It's a three-way efficiency Yeah. A Piece of Pie, the queer film podcast at Piece of Pie Pod. Piece of Pie Pod! Carrie Always was in Twister. Wait, was he? Oh, yeah, he was the, <laughs> the rival Twister. Uh, Storm Chaser. Storm Chaser, yeah. thank you. All right, so Carrie Always was in Twister with Philip Seymour Hoffman, man! The, the Philip Seymour Hoffman in that movie is ridiculous. <laughs> it's he's been a long just, time since I've he seen He is Twister. at an 11, that whole movie. He's just like, woo! <laughs> the whole movie, it's just way over the top. All right, Philip Seymour Hoffman is, uh, we got to do a review of Twister now. Right, that's, gotta, that's next. About. He's in Mission Impossible 3 with Simon Pegg, who's in Star Trek with John Cho. Would you imagine the guy from Twister is the bad guy from Mission Impossible 3 and it's the same actor? I think about Philip Seymour Hoffman being dead like once a week and just get angry about it. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, you think about that range. Yeah. But he really, he blew out his range in Twister to such an extent in one direction... That he was basically Tom Hardying the rest of his career. Because you can't do subtle things in a helmet or in a mask. So he learned how to tone it down after that, is what I'm trying to say. Like Tom Hardy's done. Right, right. He walked it back a little
0: bit. Top five for fighting podcast at top five for fighting. John Cho and Carrie Elways are connected by Seth McFarlane. Elways has done several voices on Family Guy, and Cho has done several on American Dad. We nice. also have Merck with a movie blog here at movie blog Merck and Voicek. Sure, both performed live readings at the 2016 Academy Nickel Fellowships in Screenwriting Awards presentation. This is the one I felt most embarrassed for because uh, Merck with a movie blog, I think, was first and just said, Okay, here, and posted the picture. That was really funny because we just
1: we just put it out there and it takes me forever to like copy and paste all the quotes and all the follow Friday kind of stuff even though it was midweek and then uh, Voyage I I might have been Voyage Might have been I I I apologize if it was Yeah, One of those guys were first and they just like picture Yeah it was a page literally
0: Elway standing next to John Cho on a stage both smiling and somebody just went there you go I literally I was looking at when they posted that God damn it God damn internet
1: All right, the dad joke of the week Week award goes to Taylor S. Cole at Taylor S. Cole. Carrie Elways was in Saw. I can confirm that. John Cho was in Star Trek Beyond Uh a movie I also (laughs) saw. Yes. Yes. Good job, Taylor. That should be the winner. (laughs) How is that not our winner this week? It's a great dad joke. It's a great dad joke. It capitalized Saw. To finish it off,
0: there. Bill Brasky, or Bill Brasky, 2620, calls his shot here for the David Lynch Left Peak of the Twin Peaks Awards. Mm-hmm. John Cho played Milf Guy number two in American Pie with <laughs> Natasha Leone. Leone's first role was on the TV show Pee Wee's Playhouse, starring Pee Wee Herman, a.k.a. Paul Rubens. Rubens Crazy. starred in Pee Wee's Big Adventure with Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira. Peterson played Busty Nurse in the movie <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde, together again, starring Mark. Mark Blankfield, who co-starred with Carrie Elway's in Robin Hood Men in Tights, finishing off by saying, if I don't get the David Lynch Weirdness Award for this,
1: congratulations, Bill Brasky, like Babe Ruth, calling a shot and called, coming through. Called a shot, he put a picture of Mark Blankfield in those two different roles... <laughs> as the blind guy from Men in Tights, and as the doctor in Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, my God. It was bizarre, but very funny. Because of his audacity, calling yes. his own shot. Yeah, we gave it to him. The right peak of the Twin Peaks for apparently David Lynch weirdness. <laughs> this comes from at Nolan Roberts 17. He's been putting out some great stuff yeah, lately. Has. John Tro provided voice work for an episode of Kim Possible, which also featured the voice talents of John DiMaggio... I think he did a Joker, right, DiMaggio? I think so. That rings a bell, yeah. Who is also very well known for his performance as Bender from Futurama, which also featured the head of Richard Nixon, (laughs) who, of course, was president of the United States. I like how he's like, voice actor, voice actor, president of the United States. Disgraced president, yeah. Nixon was president of the United States before he stepped down and gave the position to Gerald R. Ford. Yes, good history here. Who is uh, the plot point of an episode of the 70s show (laughs) <laughs> which also had an episode featuring <laughs> joseph gordon levitt that's right he was in there for he was a mm-hmm, kid right mm-hmm. uh who appeared in two episodes of family ties as well starring michael j fox who was in back to the future with christopher lloyd who was in the oogie loves big balloon <laughs> adventure with Car- Gary Elways Did you enjoy the Oogie Loves Big
0: Balloon Adventure when you saw it? I need to see the. I've Oogie never Loves, heard of this. I need to see the Oogie Loves Big <laughs>
1: Big Balloon Adventure. What a great entry! There. Like, don't you need to see this? What in the, Sam Hell is that?
0: The impossible Bender, President, President, Back to the Future, Oogie Loves Big Balloon Adventure. Oogie, what
1: the hell is an Oogie?
0: Uh, a new award. Let's give him something to talk about. Award on a Jack Mayer at J May six five eight. John Cho was in the. The exorcist tv show with gina davis the, how did that show not do well with those two willing in the leads mm. uh, gina davis has talked about wanting to be in wonder woman 2 the first wonder woman starred robin wright robin wright was in the princess bride with carrie
1: elway's efficient but it made me laugh because he's like oh by the way i've heard gina she davis. mentioned it once <laughs> she talked just about take it. my word for it <laughs> the this game just reminded me of my childhood award this is from kate at captain underscore hangry and she says John Cho was in Star Trek 2009 with Ferrante here though they didn't share any scenes together Ferrante here was in an obscure Jungle Book movie Michael from 1994 that only I seem to remember featuring Carrie Elways as the villain now this is not true Kate I also remembered this and we chatted about it on Twitter for a hot second there because this movie was like Really influential to me as a kid. It was like a, a really cool version of the the cartoon that I always loved. I got a live action version of it, like a PG version. It, it was it was more intense. It was a live action Jungle Book in 1994. Yes, it was a live action Jungle Book. I don't I don't think it was a direct to video either. So that's kind of what Mulan's doing. Wow! Right now, Mulan's going to be the serious live action remake without the music necessarily. 101 Dalmatians, I think, followed with Glenn Close. And now they're doing a, a Cruella, you know, again, they're kind of taking a page out of the mid-90s to do their kind of phase two of the remake. Was this a Disney property? Do you remember? Yeah. Well, the Jungle Book was, of course. Oh. That, well, yeah. the, 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 there's a cartoon Jungle Book. Jungle book. Rudyard Kipling's probably public domain. I mean, yeah. Honestly. Huh. No shit. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. You guys are connecting over a long lost yeah. property. John Cleese, <laughs> Lena Headey, and Sam Neill. That's a in. loaded cast. Do
0: <laughs> I don't I've, great? <laughs> I don't have
1: much to say, I'm flabbergasted
0: <laughs> right now. Uh, the Way Way Back Award, going to Swamp Thing, our buddy, buddy Wojcik there, John Cho, attended Herbert Hoover High School with Eva Mendez, married to Ryan Gosling, of course, who won the Golden Globe for La La Land, starring Emma Stone, Friends with Taylor Swift, star of <laughs> Cats, the best film of the decade, and Carrie Ker- Elway's plays in The Cat Returns. Any a
1: big picture of this animated movie, <laughs> The Cat Returns. Terrifying. And, uh, Everything about that entry is terrifying. Uh, and and Wojcik has some fun talking about cats on twitter lately i guess he watched the 97 version he, and he was, said he liked it right he said he liked it yeah and i can't buy but he's like the music is great like what we th- right. hoped would or, be great we thought we were walking
0: into <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then you have Beatles, and you have sexiness no it's certainly not no, you don't you just have crotch Disturbing. all crotch, all so crotch. A great title. yeah all right the winner this week mike is dark nook at dark nook shop this is efficient this is clever here we go this is who we are at our core <laughs> Carrie Elways is in Hansel and Gretel Get Baked, a movie about a witch who eats stoners. Perfect. John Cho was in Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, a movie about stoners who eat sand witches. <laughs> Just wiping his hands of it. Easy
0: work. Light work it. on a Thursday or Friday, whatever day it is for Dark Nook there. It's dad jokey.
1: It made me laugh pretty hard. <laughs> Eat I <was> like, <laughs> sandwiches. I laughed at it when I read it and retweeted I it. I didn't even get it until you put the emphasis on it just now. And then I put it in the <laughs> doc and I laughed at it again. I, I really laughed. I, I laughed at that a lot.
0: Dark okay. Nook, you are the champion of Six Degrees of MMO. You are the reigning uh, winner and holder of all things bragging rights. Six Degrees of MMO related. It is a new year, Michael. So obviously it's a new chair, which means that the chair is. Is going to be shaped like a 20 because we got to celebrate that it's 2020. So it's actually like two chairs, but it's only one piece of furniture. There's only one seat on
1: it because the two you can't sit on. You can only sit on the zero. All right, uh, so you're in yeah. the zero. Yeah. All right, so we got a 20. Mm. Is this like in front of a house? Like somebody's 20th birthday party kind of thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. That's It's like one of those, you know when you're driving down the street and you can buy those characters that yeah. say, hey, it's Tiffany's birthday Betty today. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Except this is
1: a giant throne in the shape of a 20. It's like your grandma who gets you a Betty Boop right. happy birthday <laughs> thing and you live right next to the high school and it, it doesn't go well for you socially and ultimately. yeah
0: and dark nook has no context to explain this to his <laughs> neighbors about it just shows up one day so yeah that's what you have to look forward to that's right our now starting point i <laughs> have an art to this story but right now dark nook is that weird kid with the betty boop cut out <laughs> the betty boop the number 20 is sitting in front of his house uh to start off 2020 <laughs> with congratulations dark nook thank you everybody look we're not sure exactly what's going on with mmo weekly so we want to give you kind of a, a more zany challenge this week just in case we take a little bit off we, we hope get to this next week we want to hear your answers regardless because we think it's a fun challenge michael what is next week's six degrees of mmo challenge
1: all right we're about to review the trailer for a quiet place Mm Two. so emily blunt is involved that makes sense we love emily blunt here we are going to talk about pain and glory pain and glory Mm -hmm. coming to vod antonio banderas is having a great year who knows maybe we'll even review that at some point we'll fit it in so we want to go to Antonio Banderas. Yes. So it's Emily Blunt to Antonio Banderas. But the lighthouse is coming on VOD to uh, to uh rent soon. I right. Mean, it's been on there to buy. And I think I want to rent it. But I probably should have bought it. But then again, it goes down five bucks. So I might just buy it. Right. Well, there's a seagull <laughs> in the lighthouse. A it's, bird. The bird. The seagull. Very important character. Yeah. Very important character. So we're going to go from Emily Blunt. To uh, Antonio Banderas through a seagull (laughs) or a seagull. Oh, oh, whatever you gotta do.
0: So yes, that is Emily Blunt to Antonio Banderas by way of the seabird, a seagull, Uh, or a seagull. Look, there's other options out there. There's people with names that may have something similar. (laughs) I'm just saying. But yes, uh, through a seagull. That is your challenge for next week. Six Degrees of MMO. Uh, Let's move on now. Talking about a quick box office update, just to give you some
1: numbers, Michael. Where are we starting? Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. All right. It started out tracking well behind The Last Jedi, but it did get an uptick, and it did really, really well over the holidays so let's give it credit where it's due it's at 407 domestically after a 72 million dollar weekend a couple days ago and it's at 407 overseas it's making what it what it's making here overseas it's at 815 total that's a little bizarre isn't that bizarre well that means american audiences really like it right i don't know if that's a good thing (laughs) i don't know either but it doesn't have that much further to go to to overtake the last jedi at 620
0: yeah, I mean, look, good for good for Star Wars Episode Nine. Good for the people that are fans of it. They're getting in. They're making the box office. And never
1: underestimate the power of spite viewing, man. You just yeah. never know. Well, six oh seven, excuse me. But uh, look, I mean, we talked about people needing to go back and see it again and again and again. We're not those people this time. Yeah. But if the movie works for you, and you're those people this time, then be those people. You hear me, you people? <laughs> <laughs> and we said this on the outset too. Even though it's critically
0: panned, it's going to make money, and it certainly is doing that. And good job oh. by a. Uh, I was going to say Lucasfilms, but
1: no, it's Disney. So good job by Disney. <laughs> uh, Jumanji, the next level, $35 million, 203 stateside, 297 overseas for a $500 million take thus far. I did
0: not do the research to see how it's pacing in comparison to Jumanji 1, but it, this not doesn't good. seem like no. it's going to go near the number of 900 and some odd million that Jumanji 1 did.
1: For whatever reason, that other year, Jumanji 1 just cleaned up. Yeah. And it probably did all the, the kitty box office too. And, and this did. one
0: started great. I mean, $60 million in its opening weekend was was awesome. It led the box office. It ended
1: Frozen 2's run. It was making money. It it's still add, making money. It didn't have the same legs. It's yeah. going to make money at the end of the day, but not as much. Uh, Frozen 2, $16.9 million weekend. 435 798 are the two uh, totals. $1.233 That movie making it, and we're going to talk about Knives Out in a second, that movie making it to and through this last holiday season, still in the top five they they got to be tickled pink i there,
0: would think too. so very impressive run for disney very impressive year for disney overall you would think they're not going to have the exact same success in 2020 just because look at all the stuff they put out this year you had two giant properties from everyone's childhood aladdin and lion king getting live action remakes a seminal sequel and toy story coming out another star wars that was the final chapter the final chapter of Endgame coming so you would think the box office isn't going to repeat the whatever how many billions disney
1: made this year well,
0: but you never count disney
1: out maybe that's good fodder for an episode right there the mm-hmm. next year of disney yeah. that's that's interesting it's we just did it. michael eisner doing a backstroke in a oh, pile of hundreds they're
0: not going to be starting bob Iger, well. i'm sorry i'm getting names confused
1: mike little women made 16.8 million last weekend 42 domestically is its total 6 million overseas for a 49 million dollar take thus far on a 40 million dollar budget i hope that makes money that deserves to make money yeah deserves to be taken more seriously it's gonna be and it can't hurt it's oscar chances right. at this point uh, in terms of that that's doing well now. But we just talked about studios not caring as much about awards as they care about box office, and this is why. I wonder if this would have done
0: better if it was... You would think Christmas would be the prime box office time for that type of movie, right? Because that's what we kind of decided on. The studio, if it was going after awards, it would have served itself to be released in October.
1: So I don't know if you could justify a $40 million budget otherwise, right? Yeah. And th- this cast. Yeah, I would agree. When you think about it, it's... A period piece like this is not going to do well year-round. You need that 10 days to really get all the families out there and specialty viewing out there. Otherwise, it's going to do okay, and they're just not going to leave it on all the screens long enough. Right, right. Spies in disguise, Michael, that's done 33 stateside, 16 overseas, only 50 million total thus far. It's a little surprising. It's probably a decent
0: number. I don't know what the budget is. I didn't get a chance to research it, but I know people are happy with it. I know people like it. They like it. That they see. So. It's a wacky premise, though. Yeah, isn't it, it is. It? <laughs> Super spy turns into a Yeah. Of mm-hmm. That old chestnut. Mm-hmm. That's why I got to go through a seagull in six degrees of MMO this week. A couple other things outside the top five. Knives Out is on its tear. It's gone up to $224 million total on a $40 million budget. Not bad work if you can do almost five and a half dollars for every $1 of production.
1: Excellent. It survived, you know, the... The, the, in between holiday seasons. Mm-hmm. It made it to this season. It's at number six coming out at the last weekend of 2019. That's and great. That's a huge haul for Knives Out. $40 million budget. Ryan Johnson fans. We can be happy. Star Wars fans, you can be happy. We can all <laughs> be happy right now. We, all, we got it all.
0: Yes. Everyone just go put a smile on your
1: face. Uh, <laughs> Uncut Gems did $27 million thus far, Michael. I don't know the budget for this movie. Good Time had a budget of 4.5. They said this movie he had a bigger budget, but from a twenty-four, I would be surprised if it was over ten million. I would be too. Then again, Adam Sandler's trailer might cost more than <laughs>
0: ten million. Well, if he's doing a movie like this, he's doing it not for yeah, his. And,
1: pay. He, and he, to his credit, he does a lot of movies yeah. like this. So even if the budget was twenty million, it made twenty-seven in its first week, pretty much wide. Th- that's going to do fine, and that's going to make its money. Something back we're going to talk about and review soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it even though I'm not looking forward to it because I don't want to see it again. But I think I fear you're going to love it. I think I am. And I just had issues. It's just bah, 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 bah. Yeah. It's like Honeyland. Sounds like home. It's just like the whole movie is just like bah, 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 bah. And then, you know, in Honeyland it was just <laughs>
0: But well, that's this, like people but this come, is Mike.
1: Just yelling, screeching people. These are the movie.
0: reviews that pay the bills. Is what we're doing. Oh.
1: <laughs> I like Honeyland. Oh, I liked Uncut Gems. I think I would like Honeyland if, like, I lowered the volume. I'm just going to be yelling into my microphone you review <laughs> that movie.
0: Cats uh, somehow has gotten up to 41 million. It's on a hundred million dollar budget. Between the marketing and the Oscars push, that is no longer available. It's going to lose upwards of 100 million. We knew that as soon as it came out.
1: No chance. It's got yeah. no chance. It's done. Uh, I remember the WWE trailers. No chance in hell. Yeah. No, who's, whose song That's was Vince that? it's Vince McMahon's song, man. Vince McMahon's <laughs> no chance in hell song. That's what I think about Cats. Last
0: one, number 10 at the box office, or number 9, I'm sorry, at the box office this week. Bombshell didn't do great. We kind of alluded to that in our review. $20 million gross thus far. $32 million budget. Kind of a hefty
1: budget for that type of movie. Huge budget for that movie, but I mean, the star power star makes power, sense. Yeah. I just wish they were a little more ambitious with it, like we said. It's it's sad because as an issue movie, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not going to make enough money for this kind of an issue movie. So that's that's the sad part. I think I, I, the more
0: I think about it, the more I'm starting to convince myself we need to wait before we make movies out of these issues that yeah, pop Yeah, the up like
1: issue's that. pressing now, yeah, so you right. see like, it's, it's well-intentioned.
0: Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I agree. I just... <sighs> I have thoughts. Let's it's talk about miss. trailers. It
1: shouldn't be an Oscar movie. Mm-hmm. it is it is It definitely <laughs> is trailer thoughts
0: just a handful of trailers today mike A quiet place 2 the premise our first full look at the quiet place sequel which takes us back to ground zero and day one of the takeover while also asking just what kind of person actually survives such an invasion event i
1: love the horror spectacle of this all I think it's a smart new direction for Krasinski here. He knows that we know these monsters Mm -hmm. now. So you can't really shock us with kind of their arrival and the jump scares involved. So you give us the invasion flashbacks and you're very clever with how you work the monsters in.
0: Yeah, and some of the stuff he's doing with the camera was really spectacular as well. You're not getting full looks of the monsters, at least not yet. You're getting more play in the daytime, but you get this scene where you're sitting in the back middle seat as Emily Blunt is trying to weave her way through the town as it's first going haywire. It was such
1: an anxiety-inducing visual for me. We've all been in traffic, right? We've all (laughs) driven too fast, right? And And we've all gotten worried about pedestrians around our cars. So to me, that scene works like in a triple anxiety fashion because I'm getting all of that in the peripherals. And then there's also monsters. <laughs> so right. in horror movies, you could take those anxiety-inducing scenarios and add a just, you know, world apocalyptic level nightmare. And you are
0: seeing the monsters more so in the daytime, which I kind of already said. Do do you want to see these
1: monsters full on? We already saw them, though, right? I mean, yeah. I, like, it's not, if you held the reveal, it's not going to work for me, unless you're going to do, like, Queen Alien, like in uh, James Cameron Aliens. I mean, unless you're going to go bigger and badder and crazier and, and you know, the, the boss alien route, I don't think it works if, I don't think it works if you just, like, remake the same movie. I just feel like if you see
0: too much of the monsters in the daytime, there's a lot of them in the daytime in this trailer, you you're, you're going to run the
1: risk of turning this into kind of a parody of itself. You can run a risk, there's no question about it. But the reveals were clever here. Like, they come out at moments you don't expect. That monster slowly coming out of the bus when we're looking through the front windshield, that was awesome. Well, to me, they look like bugs. And bugs always pop pop up and scare me everywhere (laughs) in life. There'll be a hole somewhere, and then there's a bug coming out of it, and I'm screaming, of course. So... I would die in a quiet place.
0: We're also not focusing so much on the monsters this time as we are this body snatcher, walking dead type trope where the the humans are the real monsters is what's going on in this, which is interesting because we're also humans
1: dealing with literally real monsters. Yeah, but again, it works with the flashbacks though, right? Because all we saw was the Swiss family Robinson fighting off monsters Mm -hmm. in the first movie. We didn't really, we saw glimpses of a few other people. Right. But now you have a vulnerable set of characters, but they're also... They're, they're fight, they can fight, but they're, they're vulnerable still. You've got a, a couple of young kids mm-hmm. traversing a land of monsters. Now, the fact that you have to go back and show the type of people that survived and all the other people that died right. in those spectacles, and then you're going to thematically weave it into, of course... The guy from 28 Days la- Later. Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy yep. survived this. And of course, it's Killian Murphy because is he good or bad? Do we ever know? Will we <laughs> never, ever know? Never. I wonder if that's
0: starting to take a psychological effect on
1: him, the, just the man. No, he's got to love that. As an actor, though, you got to love that.
0: I think I'm a good person.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I, I sincerely think like he's in the perfect sweet spot for
0: great actors. I, I agree. And he's phenomenal every time, too. He's great at it. I mean, you don't like to talk about people being typecast, but he's awesome at it. So I think Krasinski's making good use of his budget here already i hope so i have fears about horror sequels that get bigger budgets and so they think it's okay to play in the daytime and it takes away some of the mystique it chapter two says hi
1: yeah you might be right you Mm -hmm. might be right at the end of the day i mean if he's got an awkward looking shot and it's a expensive shot that was not money well spent but i'm hopeful and then again in the last movie like it was daylight early then it was nighttime late so maybe that's how it starts and we're just getting act one stuff could be we're excited nonetheless right we're excited visually we are appalled slash excited slash really scared of this next one
0: gretel and hansel trailer two: the premise the second look at the apparently terrence malick inspired <laughs> retelling of how refined sugars lead to death in children yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right note to all horror movie protagonists if there is an outline triangular structure <laughs> Do not go into it. If there's, if it's outlined in orange light in the woods, it in just, the woods, it's obviously handmade. Do not yeah. go into it. Unless I will give you the one caveat: yeah. you have that giant fucking sword. <laughs> from Final Fantasy slash Nick Cage's Mandy. Do not go into That's that triangle That's the only house. caveat.
0: That's the only condition you can go into. The, I'm with you, man. I don't know how these kids get
1: stuck in this situation, but my lord, these backgrounds and the cinematography of this. There's a shot of Sophia Lillis in the woods, and I think there's like a cage behind her or something, but it looks like a cage of branches. Yeah. And it looks like it's not quite closed yet, so it looks like there's a trap about to spring on her. I guess I'll be sad if it's actually a trap <laughs> from the way. It's... turn around <laughs> turn around <laughs> Sophia. another step back up one more and
0: <laughs> i mean we have these like wide angled close-up shots with the protagonist in the middle of the shot and you're just seeing all the scenery all it's literally terrence malick esque it
1: looks exactly like the the hidden uh, hidden life trailer it's gorgeous and robert eggers and ari aster and jordan peele i mean we've gotten some just great production design Let's, yeah. just say, let's just say it. it's great production design in the last few, you know, thinking piece horror films. I think this has given you that ambiance, that uh, that atmosphere.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think bringing up Eggers is a good point because the witch, you know, the tone of this movie is not fairy tale Mother Goose. It's like Robert Eggers' witch, yes. not Mother Goose's
1: witch. So I love the stakes here. I mean, Sophia Lillis' character is on the run with her brother. Yeah. Like, these two are out for survival. And they're, they need food and shelter. It's not just a couple of kids looking for mischief that come upon this witch in the woods. And you know how dare those kids go out in the woods, right? 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 You know, looking to steal the pie off the the, the windowsill. There, no. These, these two are just looking to survive. So you got this serious setup. You got this basically people getting cornered, which is a good way to start off a horror movie. That whole monster in the house trope. It, when you have characters that can't get out. Mm a la Jordan Peele
0: Mm -hmm. that's perfect Alice Kriege my apologies if I mispronounced that she's playing the witch
1: could be another breakout role for the former Star Trek Borg Queen so I don't remember first contact but I did do like a Google search and she is scary as a Borg Queen I
0: remember that shot of putting
1: like her torso her shoulders in the Borg outfit she just might be scary yeah no offense Alice Krieg, but you just might be scary uh Mike I'm scared is she regurgitating that little boy at the end of this trailer (sighs) ugh Is that what's
0: happening? Probably. She's pulling that string out. We just start to see the end of like
1: something. This is where we're at in horror movies right now. <laughs> we are saying, "Did she eat that little boy? <laughs> is she pulling him out of her mouth? Is her mouth now as a witch with demon powers? Uh, Hair first. I want to see this. I'm excited. I do too. I hope it's not all bark, no bite. I hope. I hope it's you know a movie that follows. Storm oh, there's the bites. It's gotta be right. Numerous I mean, bites of bite. a child. Of a guy with a thing put in his mouth. Was he hypnotized? What the hell was that? I don't know, man. That didn't come out right. It just <laughs> I just said putting a thing in his mouth. I was trying to move on. There's that scene, though. That you Watch the trailer. You'll laugh at what I said. Creepy-ass trailer. Yeah,
0: creepy. very effectively done. Good God. Let's wrap it up with a Do You Care? Vamos this is the Do You Care segment. This is where we take on the news stories of the week. We ask each other, do we should we or will we care about them? The way we start every Do You Care segment is I ask my little witch here, Michael. Also, Mike, about the upcoming releases both in theaters and on VOD. This week coming up, going wide, Michael. The first wide release of 2020 is The Grudge. VOD, you already mentioned some of these. The Lighthouse is going to be available. Joker and Gemini Man are also available right now streaming.
1: We have Midsommar. Uh, that's coming out on Amazon Prime. A couple other things. What do we like? I think I'm going to skip The Grudge. It got 17% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Look, I get remaking properties and nostalgia being hot. It feels already too early to
1: remake The Grudge, doesn't it? Yeah, and I wasn't in on that story anyway. Yeah, it's never really done it it's for me It's just never either. been. I, I th- All right, Give Me Liberty is like another deep cut. I was thinking about renting at some point. I don't know. I, I I gotta still catch up on a lot of stuff. And we gotta rewatch stuff. Diane, yeah. the Apollo, The Edge of Democracy. That's like my at home viewing. I still gotta watch The Edge of Democracy. I think I boasted about watching it already and I didn't watch it. I and I might have called myself on it already. You did. I remember this. So yeah. this is part, part three Shame. of trying. Shame. I'm trying to talk Shame. myself into watching The Edge of Democracy, <laughs> but if it's anything like The Great Hack, I don't want to watch it. I can't it. even make fun of you because I haven't done American Factory yet. I
0: can't bring myself to do it.
1: It's just such a bummer, though, yeah. isn't it? Takahashi mike has got uh, First Love coming out at the beginning of February that I'm looking at now. Pain and Glory's coming on Amazon the end of the month. I think a week after it's available to buy. So I don't know if I'm helping them or hurting them by saying that, but... That is the reality of it. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Keep
0: an eye on Antonio Banderas this Sunday at the Golden Globes. Just
1: keep an eye. Speaking of the Golden Globes, Mike, they have gone vegan. <laughs> Explain this to me. You actually wrote down these menus. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're
0: the food pervert here. You you're the one that I always am. bring introduces the food I aspect. I get sexually aroused yeah.
1: by food consumption. <laughs> you no,
0: know, I'm just that's a drop that I'll use later on in the history of this <laughs> show, but. Uh, So, I've always wondered this about award shows in general. Yeah. Why don't other ones eat? Why is the Golden Globes and Critics' Choice the only one where we see people having silverware, but we also never see them actually eat? They're eating between
1: the commercials, I think. I've never seen food on tables are they beforehand? I don't know Like the Oscars, the Oscars we know right. they don't we eat. gotta have Scott Feinberg on or somebody who goes yes, to we, get yes. A when we talk to Scott that's a great well, point the first time we were like Scott where did you come from to yeah. be this good <laughs> right. at what you do now we gotta be like how do you do what you do right. so that'll be the new set of questions for this year's you know uh, the basically tutorial session with Scott Feinberg when we get him on but I, I am yeah, totally curious read, yeah. read, read some of this alright so I, here's the
0: menu they're going all vegetarian it was a decision made over the Christmas holiday yeah Uh, They were going to have fish. They're deciding to try to trailblaze and have an all-vegetarian, no-meat-whatsoever menu. So, Mm -hmm. here's from the Hollywood Reporter article. The new menu includes an appetizer of chilled golden beet soup with locally-grown chervil and amaranth. I don't know what any of those are. I don't know what Sherville or Amaranth are. (laughs) It's like the thing the three wise men brought Jesus on Christmas. And a main dish of king oyster mushrooms cooked and presented to call to mind scallops with wild mushroom risotto, roasted baby purple and green Brussels sprouts,
1: globe carrots, and pea tendrils. All right. To your last word, that sounded delicious. And then I don't want to eat any tendrils. Right? Do you want to eat any tendrils? What? I don't know. I'm not sophisticated enough Look, to know what a tendril is. risottos is delicious. Nope. They had to
0: make the risotto without Parmesan cheese.
1: Yeah, but I'm not like a big cheese and pasta rice guy. I, really? I, I like mac and cheese once in a while, but I don't like I'm not I'm not huge on it there. I'm I'm okay with this. That is stunning news to hear. I'm also a big fan of mushrooms. Okay. So I'm a big mushroom fan. I don't necessarily want to eat wild mushrooms from Europe after watching a particular Oscar movie from a few years ago. But trying to get back on my diet, this would be one of those... (sighs) <sighs> all right i'll try it imagine you're eating it and daniel day lewis is just eyeing you from across the table with a wry smile <laughs> but this is like where brian dennehy just doesn't show up right he's just like fuck this or jack black comes with his own all, sandwich all the big all the big character actors are like fuck this shit Pat oswalt's like no I'm not going this year there's a take
0: on opera cake for dessert mike Opera cake? Yeah.
1: What, what is it? opera cake? I don't even know what a take on opera cake could be if I don't know what opera I, I cake is. I assume it
0: sings at you from the inside. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Messes up uh, right, certain. Right, we're looking of you up afterwards. opera cake because <laughs> this is very important right now. Oh, I like opera cake. <laughs> Come on, it's the layered cake. Oh, oh that delicious. is that's like, that's like a tiramisu cake. It looks like a fucking opera. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we'll eat some opera cake right now. <laughs> It's right. the la- it's the tiramisu cake is exactly what it yeah. is. But there's like, oh, I, if you had like a fancy schmancy yeah. apple cake, there's probably like a, a layer of real chocolate. But in now it. if they're not
0: doing Parmesan cheese for the risotto, that means they're
1: probably not doing milk for the cake, I would think. No. Oh. What the fuck are yeah, they? It's dark gotta... chocolate, though? Dark. Can they dark, not milk chocolate, but dark chocolate? But there's some, isn't dark? I, I don't know. I don't know. We, we got to get
0: a chocolatier on here. <laughs> We got to transition this podcast. It could be goo
1: for all I care. <laughs> like the new veggie burgers at uh, Burger King. Just the freaking goo burger. I don't care. It le- that looks delicious. Not going to lie. All right, Mike, throwing another one at you here. The RTO's Awards. This is for casting.
0: Yeah, have this at the Oscars. That's my take on this. Ron Funches is hosting. I love him. Uh, there's three locations simultaneously for this award show. It's about the casting, and there's all kinds of fun categories.
1: that's going to be simulcast in New York, L.A., and London, which I think is bizarre. So how is Ron Funches not hosting everything? Yeah. Like, he's like the perfect Great. host. He's super happy. He makes awkward situations even funnier he's than you have ever thought would be possible. And then... You laugh at his laugh. Yeah. Worst case, all he's got to go up there and just be giggly. <laughs> laugh into a microphone. Yeah. yeah. If, he, if he's up there and he's giggly, you will laugh at him laughing the whole show. I am with you. I think he'd be a great choice to host anything. But also, that's kind of innovative, doing the three locations.
0: I, I like that. It's very reminiscent, as a wrestling fan, of WrestleMania too. I think <laughs> they did New York, Chicago, and L.A. all on the same night. So, wow. it's simulcast from there. Uh, they also have interesting categories at this. I want a casting category over all the Oscars, but they have big-budget comedy, big-budget drama, studio or indie comedy or drama low-budget comedy or drama micro-budget comedy or drama
1: is this kind of where we're going with the oscars ever do you think that was my question to you this is a weird way to pull off that experiment you know with the uh, eventually doing this for the oscars because i don't like it i don't Uh, know how i feel about it it kind of feels like quota filling i kind of like a lot of categories but you're right It, it feels like quota filling it feels like Texas high school football. I just don't like it. It's just too too many divisions, <laughs> too many winners, too many bowl games in college football. Like, ah. All right. A million classes. Do you want a casting category? The no, yes, I do. Okay. And that's why I was torn, because I didn't like this on first, you know, when I gathered the information. But I kind of think it's cool that they cast a wide net. See, this is the number of awardable, talented right. people we have. And to cast a wide net, it's posturing, it tells the Oscars, to say, hey, award one of them. Right, right. Look I, at how many people we have that are awardable.
0: And if you, if your main focus is casting for that entire award show, I guess you do need to kind of make up categories because casting is what it is, essentially. Right. I mean, there's only so many different spinoffs you
1: could have. So. You know, and I get it because I think budget matters, mm. obviously, right? Because you, you can't Absolutely. cast. Right. I mean, otherwise the big budget movies are just going to win everything every year. They have the most famous people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, one last story. It's got a lot to do with the
1: Oscars, Michael. The Oscar ballots are out there. And we're recording this, what what the hell, this Friday night. Yeah. The, The whole week screwed me up with the holidays. This has been a long day. We're recording this Friday night, and I have not seen a ballot yet. Have you? I have not. I don't know if The Two Popes has gone adapted or original. If you guys see that before us, let us know. Because that was like my biggest question coming out of the Oscar ballot. Because was, there's was rumors going back and forth. The award circuit's been covering it too. So maybe checking on what they do there with Clayton Davis. The big thing, the big storyline from award circuit, etc. Is that look at how blind they're going to vote this year. Because Oscar voting for the nominations started today. Ballots are out. PGA DGA, the WGA, the Baftas. We don't know those nominations yet.
0: So this was kind of the inception for the whole reason of moving the Academy Awards to early February this year. This if you go back to what originally the Academy said, they wanted to be first. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to be first in a lot of ways and it's going to be fascinating. To compare how this year unravels with the Academy voting and the nominations versus what the DGA, PGA, WGA, what they all do. Because you don't have those tent poles to guide Oscar nominations this year. The Oscars come out, the nominations are going to be decided, or at least in, all in, before the guilds are. So, how is that going to ruffle feathers? Is that going to offend some people? Are we going to get wildly different outcomes to fill out the categories? It's going to be very, very interesting to take account of, I think.
1: The SAGs were very different than the Critics' Choice. I don't know, I don't want to say very different, but they were different. They were distinct from the Critics' Choice and the Golden Globes. That was critics and press, mm-hmm. right? Now we're going to get more guilds weighing in, and then, of course, the British Academy. I think this is strange, Mike, because the guilds and the British Academy have the crossover with the with our academy. a lot yeah so, I, and t- so there's that would
0: suggest that clearly there's a borrowing aspect from the academy awards
1: from those guilds but the yeah i mean so the, Clayton davis was talking about they're like flying blind yes it could be a referendum on the critics the sag or what happens at the glow mm-hmm. sunday night but they don't have like the crossover you know as birds on each other's shoulders right tweeting at each other whispering at each other what'd you vote for what'd you vote for
0: they don't have the that the planes yet. coming in to land and the guys not out there with
1: the glow sticks guiding him in you know it's just good luck pilot so it's dangerous in a couple ways it's dangerous because who knows if they're if they're really going to fuck it up they could yes like there could be some toxic categories in here it's I, I'm
0: very, very interested, and I think it's very cool to not know what to expect in one way, but you're right. Uh, usually, when left to their own devices, the Academy has a history of doing questionable
1: things. It's going to be entertaining. Yeah. So that's why when we have these nomination predictions, we may feel bad about them at the end of next week, <laughs> but we might be right on, or maybe we got to pick, like, screwy predictions. I don't know. It's... Th- it's gonna be something man
0: (laughs) I like that for analysis and insight hard hitting facts after an hour plus episode it will be something indeed All right, guys as always we want to hear from you want to hear your thoughts comments questions concerns about anything covered here in MMO Weekly and obviously we started this episode off with our review of Bombshell we want to hear from you about that as well did you like it did it stick with you did you have some questions that arose in you like we did after we left the theater did it increase in value and in grade to you let us know all that you can leave us those thoughts and comments at Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike Mike and Oscar on Instagram at mm and Oscar on Twitter, Mike Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, including and especially Apple podcast. So if you happen to use an iPhone or just use the Apple podcast app, that little purple square with the white, I could still say golden globe. Cause it's accurate yes, until can. Sunday and mm-hmm. Monday morning, I guess. So golden globe sticking out of it. Tap on that type in Mike, Mike and Oscar into the search, tap on our logo, scroll down once. You can see the opportunity to leave us five stars. A lot of you have been doing that. So thank you very much, Michael words of wisdom. What are we doing next? Take us home. Country Road.
1: We're reviewing, reacting, screaming about the Golden Globes next. So, uh. I'm terrified. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna hit the stats over the next day while we uh, prepare for that. And hopefully we'll have some weird ones for you. And I think the Hollywood Foreign Press can just do whatever the fuck they want.
0: Right? I'm waiting for the year that a write in vote wins Best Picture Drama. <laughs>
1: But last year they picked, for the biggest category, the longest long shot. Yeah. And the winner is seven from 1995. <laughs> Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie, everybody.
0: Is the like confused? That's why the cast of Death
1: to Smoochie was here.
0: Oh, you never know. Tweet along with us, M.M. and Oscar. I think that's our name on Twitter. We'll be on there tweeting, live tweeting the Globes. We'll be putting up our reactions immediately after I can edit. As fast as I can edit it, late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Uh, Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies and all these award shows and get finished with the Oscar sprint with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See ya.